0: Thank you for joining us on the Community Life Church podcast. Community Life Church is located in Cincinnati, Ohio. We meet Sundays at 1045 a.m. and we would love to have you join us for a Sunday. You can find out more about our church by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash See Life Church Cincy. Today's message is from our Easter Sunday celebration. We pray that you find great hope and joy in the resurrection of our Lord on this most joyful day. Well, good morning, church, and happy Resurrection Sunday. There's an ancient greeting of the church, which is fitting for a day such as today, and it's very simple, simple call and response. It goes like this. When I say, Alleluia, Christ is risen, you respond by saying, He is risen indeed. Now, I want to try this out this morning. I know we're not in the same room, and so I can't hear you guys say uh, the response back to me, but I'm going to trust that you're going to do it. Uh, And you're going to say it out loud and strong. And so, are you ready? Here we go. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let us open with a word of prayer this morning. Alleluia, Lord Jesus Christ, you are the first and the last. You are the living one. You were dead and now you are alive forever and ever. And you have the keys to death and Hades. Joyful praise to you, risen Lord. And now, living Lord, we pray, show yourself to us this day. May we hear you speak our names so that our hearts will be full of joy and our lips quick to announce this good news. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Today, church, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This day of celebration is one of the earliest annual festivals of the church. As early as the 4th century, we have a, a record of Christians noting the importance of this day. And what that means for us is that, in a unique way, today we gather with Christians through all time to declare this powerful truth, that Jesus Christ the Lord is risen today. And let the church say, Alleluia. Easter Day is perhaps the defining holy day of our faith because it's only through the lens of resurrection that we begin to see the depths of the good news of Jesus Christ. One scholar wrote this, uh, Without the resurrection, Good Friday commemorates simply the death of a martyr, a noble but tragic figure. And Christmas is simply the birth of this same ill-fated teacher. See, the life and the ministry of Jesus only makes sense by looking in reverse. Through the lens of resurrection, we begin to make sense of the gospel. The resurrection of Jesus answers all of the questions of his ministry. Through the resurrection, we begin to understand fully why God sent his Son. Now this, week of, this past week that we've been in, this week of Holy Week, has all been building up to this Sunday morning, this moment today. On Thursday, we watched as Christ got up from the table. He wrapped a, tra- a towel around his waist, and he washed the feet of his disciples. He showed us the dignity of service by, by turning our world on its head, by, by showing that the greatest in the kingdom must first be a slave to all. And we then mourned as we saw this same Jesus— Betrayed and handed over to death. And then on Friday, we saw the crowd demand the death of this man who they once worshipped as king. The very same people who last week were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, now stood in that crowd that yelled out, Crucify, crucify. Jesus declared innocent even by Pilate, he was hung on a cross, and with ours, He had died. He was quickly buried in a tomb belonging to a man named Joseph of Arimathea. The stone was rolled in place and the tomb was sealed. And then we came to Silent Saturday. This Sabbath day now turned into a day of mourning. And in all four Gospels, we're only told one thing about this day. Matthew's Gospel tells us that on Saturday, a Roman guard was placed to guard the tomb of Jesus so that nobody could steal his body. And it's at this point that it seems like these last three years of following this man have been wasted. He spoke with such authority, and he spoke with such power. He healed many people. He assigned a whole new meaning to the law. We thought for sure he was the Messiah, the one who could save us. Imagine all the pain, the doubt, and the disappointment. And then we come to today. Sunday morning came and Jesus was alive. Mary Magdalene, the first recorded in scripture, the first recorded in scripture to see Jesus raised to new life, was then given the command to go and to declare this good news to the others. And so off she went, being the first one to preach this good news with her simple message, I have seen the Lord. Easter Sunday is about a resurrection. And through the lens of Easter Sunday, we begin to make sense of the whole gospel. We understand how the life, ministry, and even the death of this insignificant Jewish carpenter changes everything. And for the last 2,000 years, this story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has indeed changed everything. The new life of Jesus Christ has given new life, To our world. When writing about the lasting effect of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, one early church father wrote these words. He said, The adulterer no longer commits adultery, the murderer no longer murders, the unjust no longer grasps greedily, and the impious is henceforth pious. See, church, throughout the history of the world, we see empires change. We see sin cease. Demons are cast out. Those who are sick are healed. Those who are enslaved are set free. This is a story so powerful that for 2,000 years, it's been changing the lives of billions of people. The resurrection of Jesus not only proves that new life is possible, the resurrection of Jesus makes it happen. Not only proves that new life is possible, it makes it happen. And today, church, we are going to be looking at one such story of new life. Today, we see a resurrection of sorts. Though today, we're not exactly talking about the physical resurrection of the dead, Uh, this, this day which we Christians believe is coming. But today, we're bringing it a little bit closer to home with a story of spiritual resurrection. As scripture is clear to tell us, we don't have to wait until we are dead and buried in the ground to experience this gift of life offered through Christ's resurrection. No, that resurrection, that life begins here and it begins now. Today, we're going to be anchored in Acts chapter 10 and maybe, maybe a little bit of what comes after. Um, but in Acts chapter 10, as you're turning there in your Bibles, I want to tell you about what's kind of going on here. Now, uh, we have two main characters in this story. First, we have Peter, and we all know Peter really well. If you've read the Gospels, you've probably developed some sort of like, a love-hate relationship with Peter, right? Sometimes you'll be reading something, and uh, Peter will do something, and you'll think, yes, way to go, Peter, way to go. But other times, <laughs> Peter does something, and you just sit there thinking, what are you doing, Peter? Come on. Why'd you have to do that? <laughs> That's Peter. We all know Peter. The other main story or main character in this story is this man called Cornelius. And Cornelius is a Roman centurion. That's someone who commanded about 60 to 80 soldiers in the Roman army uh, on average. But the most important thing here for our story today is that Cornelius is a Gentile. In other words, he's not Jewish like Peter. Now, why is that significant? Well, in those days, there was a strict divide between Jews and Gentiles. It was this sort of racial segregation. Jewish law stated that Jews were not to mingle with the Gentiles because the Gentiles were unclean. They weren't a part of God's chosen people. And so, how did these two men, who these two men who should never be together, how did they come to be a part of the same story? Well, there in your Bibles, beginning at, at the beginning of chapter 10, we see Cornelius. He, he's praying just like he normally would. It's about three in the afternoon. Only this day, Cornelius had a vision. Cornelius saw a vision of an angel who came to him. He told him first that his prayers and his gifts to the poor had been noticed by God. And then the angel said this, Send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Cornelius was up in Caesarea, and so it was about a day and a half journey down to Joppa. But right then and there, he sent men uh, to go get Peter. And the next day, that's when we get to Peter. We're told that Peter, too, was was out praying. He was up on the roof of the house he was staying in uh, to pray, just like Cornelius. And on this day, Peter also received a vision from the Lord. But his vision looked a little bit different than the one Cornelius had. Peter saw the heavens open up. He saw something like a large sheet descending from heaven. And in the sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as all of these reptiles and birds. So Peter's seeing all those happen, and then he hears a voice that says, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Now, Peter, of course, being a good Jewish man, right, he, he understood the difference between things that were ceremonially clean and things that were unclean. And so Peter, looking at all these animals, these unclean animals, he responds boldly to the Lord. He says, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. To this, the Lord responds, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Scripture then says this happened a total of three times. Now, I have to wonder here, I have to wonder if Peter thought that this was just another test of his uh, faithfulness to God. And he was probably being extra cautious as to not fail again. Because remember, when Peter denied Christ on the night before uh, the crucifixion, how many chances was he given? He was given three. And then after Jesus had died, and after Jesus was raised again from the dead, and they were eating together uh, on the shore, how many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Three. Three times. And now here again in Acts chapter 10, Peter is again being asked a question three times. A question that, as a Jew, he should know the answer to. And so three times we see Peter said to the Lord, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And then immediately after the third time, the sheet went back up into heaven, and Peter was just left there wondering, What was that? What was that all about? And as he's sitting there wondering, the men sent by Cornelius showed up. They said, Peter, Cornelius wants you to come with us so that you can come preach the gospel in his household. Now, all of this is just, it's so strange. <laughs> There's no part of this that's normal. I mean, imagine that you were Peter there. You're, you're going through your normal daily routine, saying your normal daily prayers. When suddenly you hear the voice of God tell you to, to go out on this hunting trip. <laughs> And then as soon as that's over, some soldiers show up telling you or asking you to come with them to go preach to their captain, this man that you had never met before, this man who, according to your laws, you shouldn't even be allowed to go visit. That's Peter. That's where Peter's at right now. These men come. He's not he's not allowed, according to the law, to go visit Cornelius. But Peter remembered the words of Christ in the vision. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so Peter went. Jumping down in scripture, it's about two days later, Peter shows up at the house of Cornelius and he says to them, look, you guys know that it's illegal for me to be here with you and your family, Cornelius, but God told me not to call anyone impure or unclean. And so I'm here. Now tell me why. And I don't want you to miss what's happening here the walls that Peter had upheld for his entire life are beginning to crumble. That separation in Peter's mind between a Jew like himself and a Gentile like Cornelius were beginning to fall down. And here's what's so important, what's so powerful about this story. Cornelius had asked Peter to come preach the gospel to him and his family. But it was really Peter who had something to learn from Cornelius. I had a professor who used to tell tell her students all the time, she used to always say, you guys teach me so much. And this is a moment here like that, right? I, I think it's an example of a student teaching the teacher. So what happens next is Cornelius told Peter how he came to send for him. And scripture doesn't exactly say this, but I imagine that once Cornelius finished talking, I imagine there was a long pause, I think Peter needed a little bit of time to process all of these words that he was hearing. Because see, in his mind, none of this should have been possible. Before two days ago, Peter thought that Gentiles were unclean. He didn't think that God came and did all of those things through Jesus for the Gentiles. And so, hearing the testimony of Cornelius, hearing how God talks to Cornelius in the exact same way that God talks to him, Peter probably had a lot to process. I mean, I think we've all been there, haven't we? (laughs) Have you ever realized that you were terribly, terribly wrong about something? I know I have. (laughs) But finally, after what was probably an uncomfortably long pause, Peter begins to preach. He said, now, now I get it i now understand how true it is that god does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right see there in the house of cornelius peter realized that his former pre-resurrection perspective of his world was wrong and friends this is what easter does All of Scripture is bending towards this direction, the welcoming of all people into the fold of God, regardless of where they come from. But see, Peter didn't see it. Peter couldn't see it until he was standing right there in the household of the man who he had been taught to hate. I now understand how true it is that God does not show favoritism. One scholar called this a moment of sweeping away the racial prejudices of centuries. This is equivalent to that moment that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke in his I Have a Dream speech, where he said, uh, he said, I have a dream that one day children of slaves will meet with the children of slave owners together at the same table. And friends, this is what Easter does. This is what the gospel does. And this is what Peter comes to learn So Peter goes on to preach the whole gospel there in verses 36 to 43. But, you know, I really don't think that he was preaching for Cornelius and his family. I think that Peter was preaching for himself. Peter was preaching to himself. I think he was preaching to all the Jewish people of his day. And I think that Peter was preaching to everyone who holds any sort of racial prejudice. Why do I say that? Well, the last line of Peter's sermon there in verse 43, it says this all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, a lot of the commentators that I read this week as as I was doing my background study for this, this message, a lot of them say that this is sort of Peter's altar call moment, right? This is the come to Jesus moment at the end of his sermon. Uh, this is Peter giving an invitation to Cornelius and Cornelius's family to come and receive Christ. But you know, Cornelius doesn't really care about what the prophets have to say. <laughs> that's why, as we, that's why we read that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit was already beginning to move among Cornelius and his household. See, Peter didn't say these words for Cornelius. Peter said these words for Peter. He explained the gospel, and then he began to look back. He began to look back through this lens of resurrection, and that is when he began to see everyone, everyone who believes receives forgiveness. And fast forward just a bit. We see in the next chapter, Peter has to give an explanation as to why he broke the law and he went into the house of a Gentile. And here's what Peter said. I want to read this to you. Beginning chapter 11, starting in verse 15. We read, as I began to speak, this is Peter speaking. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, Peter continued, if God gave them the same gift that he gave to us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And then listen to the response given by the Jewish believers that were criticizing Peter uh, for going into the home of a Gentile. They said, so then, even to Gentiles... God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, friends, with Easter, with the resurrection, there are no divisions. And thanks be to God that I am able to stand here and preach to you today, all because Peter went to the house of Cornelius. I'm able to stand here as a Gentile. And worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the name of Jesus Christ. All because of this truth that with Easter and with the resurrection, there are no divisions. And friends, today we stand here and we celebrate that truth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Yet it could be, it could be that some of us are still out here living like Peter so we, it could be that we still need that resurrection power to come and change us on the inside. To give us that new life that begins here and it begins now. Right, maybe we've heard those words, God does not show favoritism. But we've yet to have that moment where we can begin to say, Now, now I really get it. Now I really know what that means. And friends, whether you think that's you or not, I challenge you to begin looking with a resurrection perspective. Look at the words of Scripture through that uniting truth that Jesus lives. And just watch. Just watch the way that that perspective might tear down those walls that you've spent your whole life holding up. Because that is what Easter does. The Apostle Paul wrote In Galatians chapter 3, he wrote these powerful words that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In Christ, the distinctions made at the fall are completely undone our so-called way of ordering our society based on, off race, off national identity, or, or gender roles, all of these are undone in the work of Jesus Christ. We are all one in him, and in Christ, we are all heirs according to the promise given to Abraham. This, friends, is what Easter does. And it's only when we look at the world through this resurrection perspective that we can begin to have this moment where we can say, now I get it. Now I really get it. See, it's not until we go into the home of that person that we've been taught to hate. It's not until we reach across that divide that we've built up or spent our whole lives holding up. And it's not until we step outside of our little fences that we begin to see the fullness of the gospel for what it really is. Now, now, I realize just how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And so, friend, I want to leave you with this, this question. What might Easter do in your life this year? What might Easter do in your life this year? What might this resurrection perspective change in your life? What walls might fall? Who might, you, who might join you at the table of, the res, of Christ? Who might join you at the table of Christ? Because, friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. And today, some 2,000 years ago, after that first Easter, lives are still being changed by the living Christ. And so again, I ask you, what might this Easter do for you? Thanks again for joining us. You can find out more about our church by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash And while you're there, go ahead and send us a message and let us know how God is working in your life or how we can be praying for you at this time. We would love to get connected with you. Well, again, thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you have a great week.